Hello and welcome back to Ends With Z. I'm Juan Fernandez along with Cecile Munoz. And today we continue our conversation on dating and mating and everything that comes with it, Cecile. And we brought back our, our favorite, favorite, favorite therapist. therapist. Because clearly after all that I've learned from the wonderful conversations that we've had with uh, Indy and with um, Jai, Jai mm -hmm. and uh, just hashing it up together, then maybe some therapy sessions are in line to get Cecile yeah. ready to maybe mm -hmm. think of possibly someday, perhaps going out on the date. Yep. So John, welcome. Thanks for having me. I like this subject, so this is going to be an exciting conversation. Well, Go John, ahead. it was so heavy what we did in, in one hour talking to both our guests um, that we had to split it in two mm -hmm. just so that we could process process and, and take in. Do you have any takeaways from what you heard from episodes one and two? I loved it. I mean, you had these sort of lightness and sort of um, the more liberal way of seeing dating uh -huh. and relationships uh -huh. that we've got from Jai. And then you had, uh, conservative is the wrong word, but um, somebody that's a little bit different uh, mm -hmm. as in as in Indy about that. So the more sort of like reserved sort of point of view about dating. So I liked the contrast. Yeah, like, she was I, a little bit more old fashioned in a yeah. in a positive way. Absolutely. You know, she, she believes in romance. And, yeah, she's a little more cautious yeah. than, than Jai is. Yeah. And, and, and I'll explain why, there's a reason I'd for that. I'd love to hear that because clearly I identified more with, uh, with Indy. I, I found mm -hmm. more similarities to the way that mm -hmm. I think about relationships. But I, I'm glad you said that it, there was a lightness to it because if, if anything I pulled away from all these conversations is that you almost have to have a lightness, a sense of purpose, clarity of what you want out of the dating world um, or, ma or just mating world, uh, but also that you have to have a lightness to it. You almost have to laugh Throw about Throw caution it. to the wind, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah or, or, right. or not take it so seriously, um, which is my... I can be very fun and very silly, but my... <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, as we know. But uh, when it comes to spending time with someone or dating, I have always been very, very purpose-driven and very focused. And not that I wanted to get married. That was never my intent. It's just that I, I take that type of human interaction very seriously. So yeah. let's just jump right into it. So Why, what do you have to share about about Indy? Not to psychoanalyze her on, on the <laughs> air, but I'd love your perspective. But there's so. a lot of a lot of women like Indy who can relate to her. Mm -hmm. You related to her quite Immediately. a bit and, as yeah. well, Cecile. But and yeah. men too. Really? Absolutely. So let me use myself as an example. And I don't say this in a self-complimentary way, but I'm the kind of person that when I date, in the beginning, it's always very exciting. If, if I like the person, of mm -hmm. course, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. I get sure. obsessive. And sometimes I get into emotional mind and my, my prefrontal cortex, my executive brain goes offline and mm -hmm. I'm just like a 16-year-old kid and yeah. I'm so happy. But that's the fun that's part, nice. right? That's yeah. the, true. Like that. But sometimes let that leads to go. making bad decisions. That's also true. That leads to hasty decisions and it leads mm -hmm. to impulsivity. Yeah. So at the end of the relationship, and unfortunately there's been many ends too, I also dip really, really dark. Even mm -hmm. if um, the relationship ended amicably, yeah. I dip really deeply. And I think that's what everyone is always afraid of, is that relationships, falling in love, getting excited about somebody, has this incredible sense of risk. Mm -hmm. If relationships just bothered us just a little bit, if it was just like a yeah. little, you know, taking it off your shoulder type thing, people would be dating more often and it would be mm -hmm. looser and lighter mm -hmm. about it. But because they make us feel so bad, uh, I think the risk is there. So I always tell people, 
you have to know what your limitations are and know what kind of a person you are when you date. Mm-hmm. Jai, very different from mm-hmm. Mindy. Mm-hmm. You have to know your limitations. You have to know your blind spots. But like I learned when I got divorced in 2002 is I underestimated the power of attachment. I get really, really attached. Mm. And Jai is able to not get attached. Mm-hmm. Indy gets attached. And that's not a guy-girl thing. It I isn't. It, it really no. isn't. Because I was thinking, no. that was my pull away, is I do get attached. I, I attach, The minute I, I love someone, I, will, I would kill and help you bury the body, right, uh, for mm, you. That's true. That's <laughs> and, true. And, and so attachment in all my close relationships is very serious. But yes. by the same token, once I... I determined that this is not for me and I cut off, I'm done. But what I didn't realize, which you just articulated, that you go to a deep, dark place. So the highs are high and the lows are very low. Right. right? I don't I don't like that, but that's the way that I am. So some people get attached really, really quickly, and that's where the problems start. Or people get emotionally attached later on, which is what's which supposed is what to I happen. Do. Yeah. But some people get it too quickly. For me, it happens too quickly. Mm-hmm. So for me... Right now, the best love is self-love, yeah. and that's what I plan on doing for ho- for Halloween. Um, <laughs> because see, I for think some that people, was, Valentine's I, Day could yes, be a horror. Yes, I think that was right? a Freudian slip. So I, I am right there with you. I think I said Thanksgiving earlier. I'm going to have a date with Mother Nature. I'm going to go out on a hike because self-love is really the only relationship yeah. that you have control Those over. Those are the best, John. I love that. I used to start the new year with a, a hike to start the new year. And I loved it. It was a great way to recharge and recenter right. yourself. And, um, you know, they also call Valentine's Day uh, sad, right? Singles Awareness Day, which mm-hmm. gives a lot of people who are single, um, you know, pause for a moment to just kind of, you know, yeah. well, why do take we a have, minute. Why do we have to crap on that day by calling it that? Why don't we make a singles <laughs> day, right? Why don't we just right. make our own? Well, there's Valentine's sing- Day, which we but read about. But it's on Valentine's. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm saying don't mm-hmm. leave Valentine's alone, right? That's yeah, okay. Right. Alone. You can have yourself a, a happy togetherness, you know, staring each yeah. other's eyes and breathing right. at the same time day, or then pick another day. I don't well, know. another day is the day before Sean, our executive producer gave us some reading material and it's um, called Galentine's day, mm-hmm. which I mean, it can be called Palentine's day if you're, mm-hmm. if you're a guy or girl, whatever. Um, and it's just taking the day before to meet up with friends, make reservations at a nice restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, go for massages together, go for sushi together as, as a way to celebrate friendship and love in a different way. So. Right. Or like I was saying, self-love, because yeah. again, self-love, and this was in one of the articles that you had sent me, is, you know, the only relationship that you have control over. Yes. You can't own. really get yeah. hurt. Yeah. So the stakes are much lower. Dating, the stakes are very, very high. Mm-hmm. If you are that type of person, which, as I said, I am. And it's funny because I remember Indy, last, last time you had the podcast, she said several times that the yeah. way that she meets people, guys, is if... Some of you have somebody great that mm-hmm. she should meet. Right. And I was like, me, me, she should meet me. I'm single. But then I thought, no, you know what? I'll probably drive her crazy too. So no, we'll pass on that one. Well, we can, we can, we can make an we can, introduction. We can percolate on that. We <laughs> yeah. can percolate. I got it. That, that anyway. gets me all excited already. I feel like I have, there, what a there's a fantastic follow-up. I right? know, I know, I know. Not to put any pressure on you. But, no, but you know, I think the wedding should be in France. <laughs> I don't and we know. should take the vodka on the road. Dating me, dating me is like, it's fr- frustrating. Like you just drop your phone like in the 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 unreachable spot underneath the seat of your car that's what it's like dating with why me. do you say that john because it's it's hard to get to me you know i'm very protective and cautious I in the see, beginning I because i know of my highs and lows mm. yeah so you're protecting yourself i am 
Wow. Okay. So <laughs> I want to go back to me, uh, but about you, I want to, I want you to, to help me understand again, when you said, uh, even when it ends amicably, you still go down to a very deep part. And I feel like whatever that deep part is not to one up you, I feel like there's probably like the elevator goes six more floors and that's where I'm currently residing. And where does that come from? Is that coming from sadness? Is that, do you even have an awareness of that? I do. And, um, you know, the best answer that I have for you is that it's your object relations from your family, your parents and stuff. Mm. So if you have a history of some kind of abandonment, um, when you lose that love that you've been attached to, it's almost like you're a child and you have lost your parents. So that depth is so scary and so sad. And so even if it ends amicably, it feels to me like there's an emptiness, even though six months later you feel better and you realize, oh my God, I feel so much better. But when you're in it, it's very difficult to see outside of that because again, your executive rational brain has gone offline. It's completely off. That um, brings into frame uh, uh, this this dichotomy that I feel that I've been living in, uh, that I feel that it's been a, a you know, couple of years now uh, since my divorce, actually one year since my official divorce, but nonetheless, where I think if I know that I'm infinitely in a better place, he's in a better pl- place, um, he's getting married again, and I'm happy, I, I've always enjoyed being single, I have people that I mm-hmm. love, why are there still moments where I wake up and I look at my house and I say, why, why am I still here? Why don't I sell everything and go somewhere? I don't know, go live with the pygmies, I don't know. And it feels that there's a heaviness to it, and I can't... And I know it's not because I'm in, I'm still in love with my ex. It has nothing mm. to do with that, mm. and I don't understand where that's coming from. And I think that that's what's holding me back from doing or thinking about anything else. Yeah, it's not a weakness. It's not a character flaw. It's the power of attachment, and attachment is there because we're supposed to mate and perpetuate the species. We're supposed to be together. So when we break it off, it hurts. It's supposed to hurt that way. So is that why wow. Valentine's Day has such a weight to a lot of people mm. it, it creates so much sadness and some of the research again that we were looking at from uh sean our executive producer provided it it is a day and i'd love your thoughts as a as a therapist mm-hmm. where people just i mean i know people that become almost unhinged they're so sad yeah despite the fact that we know it's a pseudo holiday that it's an invented ho- well yeah, that's we can all say of, they're invented, it, it but yes. It promotes this, this idea, this concept of perfect love, which we know doesn't really exist. But yeah, if you're single, if you're divorced, if you're widowed, uh, it's a sad time. It reminds you that you're not with somebody. And in our society, that is quote unquote bad, mm-hmm. that something's wrong with you, that you are unattached. And the reality is, is it's got very little to do with your self-worth as a human that's being. Right. And it's okay to be single. It's okay to have self-love. And as I said, have a date with Mother Nature. Yeah. And, and to this point that you made about attachment, that we're constantly seeking that, and depending on the attachment model that you we have with our with our parents or the people that are most important in our life when we're kids, which I know we talked about in the um, podcast you joined us on right before the holidays, and I still remember 62 days, the 62 days of the holidays. She's brought it just, up a couple of times, John. Because yeah. it really it crystallizes the, 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 the pressure that, leads up to to that yeah um i I think it's a a really um interesting way to think about it because it makes us stop and reflect well what is triggering this Mm. why for me the minute you said it i knew exactly where that where that button came from me and why towards the end when i see that something is ending i almost turn myself inside out 
to try and do more, be better, love harder, uh, which is the dynamic that I'm replicating that I had with my mother. Yes. And, and so I say that if I'm being absolutely vulnerable and true, I say the, the better of me when I fall in love with somebody, I'm my father's daughter. And when it ends and, and it's not by my choosing, I become my mother's daughter because that's I right. want to cling on desperately to that. And maybe that's, mm. that's really where that, that comes from. That's right. And also, if we have a history of being mistreated in relationships in the past, we get scared when we get close to somebody again right. for the obvious reasons that Here we, we go think again, that's right? going to happen again. Or it doesn't happen again and it becomes a relationship that we really love. And just like having a ton of money, you're afraid to lose that money. Mm -hmm. So you're afraid to lose something beautiful that you have. And so you get, like I do, I get obsessive about it. And sometimes I mess it up. So any advice for us? How do we, how do we walk into, a, let's say, a relationship that's still in the 16-year-old, the you're not dealing with your executive brain, uh, as we go into next week and into Valentine's Day? What, what, what advice, what counsel, what sage wisdom, <laughs> what, other, what other crystals can you bring us so that we can uh, be better at it? Barring not dating at all. And, no. and by we, we mean you. That's unrealistic. <laughs> no, it's really, it's, it's really um, slowing things down. Mm. And really taking things with a grain of salt, as mm -hmm. that was going to be one of my questions, um, one of the try to stump the co-host question, where that comes from. It's taking it really slow and trying to be realistic about it and noticing, being very careful to notice whenever you start to uh, sense that you're becoming a little emotionally irrational about it and that you're not being logical and reasonable about it. Now, that might feel like it's impossible to do because we get triggered, but we can actually learn to do that. We could actually learn to monitor, you know, our heartbeat, to monitor our senses, to monitor whenever we start having catastrophic thoughts that something's wrong with this relationship or something's wrong with the way I'm approaching it. So I would say to slow down and check in with people, reality test with your therapist or with friends and say, you know, ask like, you know, do you think this is a little overboard for me? Do you think that this is, um, am I being realistic about it? Mm -hmm. It's like that. It's, it's checking in with people, not, not being alone with it by yourself and keeping it all to yourself. So you mean being able to look at those perhaps somehow subtle cues that you feel like all of a sudden you're, you're ramping yourself up, you're revving yourself up, or you're thinking about it too much to, to check in with people that know you better to say, do you think I'm right. putting too much of, of a focus here? Otherwise, my feelings and thoughts are, are facts. And mm -hmm. oh, I'm crazy about this person, so this is the one. This is the end all. I finally met my match. Wait a second, you just met. Pull right. back a little bit. Right, right. Pull back, slow down. So this brings me to a term that I've always, even when I was crazy madly in love, that I've always had a big problem with, and that's the, the, the soulmate. Mm -hmm. You were made for me. You complete me. And we talked about that with Indian Jai too, right? Yes, the, um, so I'd love your perspective the, on that. The partner for, for a chapter in your life that she was mentioning that uh, yes, in that Salzburg, Austria, I think where her kids were Austrian, born. Austrian, yes. There was this phrase that basically said partner for that chapter, that of, chapter of your, your life. life. Mm. I prefer that than the soulmate, like there's one person yeah. for me. Yeah. Supposing my soulmate lives in China. You know what I mean? And I'm right. never going to meet her. Right. So I don't know about soulmates. I think you can have many soulmates. I don't think there's one soulmate, but I like the part about there are certain people that, that fill a particular purpose in our right. lives during a particular chapter. Reason, season, or a lifetime. People yeah. bring that up all the time. I like that. Yeah, and I also have a problem with, especially in modern day thinking, um, 
uh, the question of soulmate, what if today you're straight and tomorrow you're, you're not? That's right. Then do you double the number of soulmates that you potentially have? Does that switch? Uh, and I'm not being argumentative. I'm just saying that the, the because women put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We we want to find the one, and we still use it in modern modern day terminology. It's still in the movies. The one, the one is she yeah. the one? He's the one. He's right. the, She's one. the one. Yeah. And if the one ends, then oh my God, I lost my chance with the one, and now there's no other one. So I think when people say this is my soulmate, I think they really really believe that I, we have such an incredible, unmistakable, exquisite connection. And I love it, and I, I, I hope we stay together forever. They call that a soulmate. Has that always just been the narrative where that became the buzzword soulmate? I don't know. You That's know? a good question. Well, there's definitely not an, not even a hundred years ago, because a mm -hmm. hundred years ago, the the majority of marriages were very purpose for the wealthy to to retain the wealth, right? And for the the poor, it was for um, basically offloading the the daughter to become somebody else's care and trust. You know, women could not own property mm -hmm. in this country up until I think it was the the late nineteen hundred, early nineteen hundreds. Not even I think it was nineteen twenty five or something like right. that. So as a woman, you had literally nowhere to live. You were at the mercy of whoever would take you in. So marriage was a necessity for survival. So. And didn't dowries come into play there that somebody would pay your parents to exactly. to take the daughter so you'd make some money off Women it too. were basically but, like But cattle. I'll also say too that as a couples therapist for the last 30 years, um, I've also seen people that you know don't always marry for love the way we could marry for love mm -hmm. these days. People marry for necessity too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this, the man happens to be a doctor or he happens to be a lawyer or this woman is very ambitious and I like ambitious women or it's for money, or if it's to live in a certain place, or the big one is is we got married because we both wanted to have kids, so we thought we should have kids because my clock was running out. Wow. And I liked you enough and to I liked couple you enough. up to have children. Exactly. Okay. Wow, so people actually, listen, I, I don't have a problem with that. If both parties are open and willing, it's true. so are we putting too much pressure on love? No, I don't think As so. As in terms of, of partnership? Because you know what gets a bad rap too is the, the statement that you know it's, it's, it's not classy to say, well, what does this person bring to the table, right? It should yeah. be just love. But that's right. actually very unrealistic. Mm -hmm. You have to look at what somebody brings to the table. Is somebody coming in with a lot of baggage, with a lot of debt, with a lot of kids, with a lot of this, mm -hmm. with a lot of yeah. that? You really have to really pay attention to who you're getting together with and who you're going to marry. So I think it isn't just love these days. It seems like it could be, but it's not. So it's convenience and smarts. It's intelligence. Of course, especially the older move. you get. The older you get, yeah. the the you know, the more risk that you have at losing or having or not having. It it becomes almost a necessity to think about it in those terms. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of risks and, and red flags, let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, because I've read uh, in numerous places that one of the common um, problems or one of the reasons that either marriages and relationships and or they have problems or one of the common reasons people find about are finances and money, how people have or not mm -hmm. have or how yep. they spend. I know that, that, Juan, you and I very often talk about that of very much being in line with our partners of what that means, not only how you save, how hard you work. What do you see in your practice? Most of the time couples come in with the premise that the, the impasse that they're in is about sex. Either oh. not one's, not, one wants more than the other or they're not as attracted to each other mm -hmm. anymore sexually. And there's some kind of problem with money. 
someone is spending more or someone is not making enough money mm -hmm. and all that stuff. In the end, when we break it down, it usually comes down to poor communication, mm -hmm. which I'll talk about later. But money is probably the biggest issue, I would say. And um, yeah, the more I have found, this is going to sound crazy, but I have found that the more money people have, the people that come to me with the, the most resources are people that have the most problems with money. Really? Sure. Why? Yeah. To, I, I can have some wow. ideas, but wh why? Well, what, what are their problems if because money is not a problem? It's the theory that if you won $80 million in the lottery tomorrow, yeah. mm -hmm. in two weeks, you'll have $80 million problems. That's true. So the more money you have, the more you start spending, the more you spread yourself out too thin, and the more problems you start having. When people don't have a ton of money and they're focused on getting food on the table and maybe not paycheck to paycheck, but you don't have a ton of money, you're a lot more focused on the real things in life that are important. You're not so afraid of losing and finding a way to spend the money. Interesting, because so for me, that's... That. You're talking about being distracted from distracted from what matters because yeah. everything is every day is a day in the candy shop. That's every right. day is fun and games. That's right. And I think the real the real connection of life comes when we're in, in the grit, when we're in the when we're in the muck, right? That's right. Where we have really honest, calm, quiet conversations mm -hmm. with, with each other because everybody thinks that they're having a great time when they're having a great time together, right? Everyone feels connected when everyone is having fun together. But it's what happens after the party when the cleanup right. has to start. How we connect. Yep. That's right. That's why the, the statement, you know, there's no purity in poverty. Yes. I'm not so sure about that. Now, I'm not talking about being destitute. But I have seen that people are much more focused on the real things in life. Much more focused on their family the and their relationship. Have. The less they yeah. have. Or maybe not even the less they have. The, 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 the more simplicity and clarity there is to their life. Because I've got to tell you, one of the things that my... My family, who they're wonderful, they, they're successful in their own, but they don't. They live in Arizona, mm -hmm. and they have a much simpler life. And it's a wonderful life at that, too. Yes. I remember once I told them we were talking about something, and I said, well, you know, he's go this person is going through a midlife crisis. And my brother said, you know what? We don't <laughs> go through that here. I said, what do you mean you don't go through that here? He said, we're too busy living our lives. We're too busy. No time. No time yeah. for that. We're working. We're you know driving kids to school. We're spending time with each other. That That is, he said, that uh, uh, that is for people that just are worrying about the things that don't matter in life. I and talked about distractions mm -hmm. last time uh, in the podcast. It seems like LA has so many of those that for people just casually dating and meeting up with a lot of people, there's so many things pulling you in so many different directions. If you have uh, work events, you have friends at the gym, you have friends here and there. A lot, um, lot of distractions. Yeah. Jai made a, uh, brought up a good point. He yeah. said that a lot of people that he meets are in L.A. because they're in a quest for something. Right. And they're not really right. where they're at right. just yet. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for them to land on somebody and actually focus on being in the relationship because they're so distracted. So what are some of the red flags that we, mm -hmm. we should be looking at for or some of the advice that you can give us about what are red flags that uh, if you're out there in the dating world or if you're in a relationship that you could think about? Well, I will think of my red flags. One of my biggest red flags is is when I meet somebody that is incapable of taking responsibility for their contribution to an argument oh. or to a problem. Okay. That's a big one. And you'd think that you know, everybody should be able to do that. Not everybody does mm -hmm. that. Does that mean being able to say I'm sorry or it's my fault? Or Thank you for asking. So that means, yeah, taking responsibility, okay. holding yourself accountable, saying you're sorry. Some people are incapable of doing that or saying yeah. that I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. So that's a big one for me. So that's a red flag that you seek in the outside person, the person that, that you're having a relationship with or potentially. Do you have your own red flags that you've, you catch yourself for saying, I'm, I see myself I'm going, going in a direction yeah. 
that I better stop myself. So internal you and mean external. Of, of my own red mm-hmm. flag? Mm-hmm. It's what I said before. One of my red flags is if I'm getting too obsessive about mm-hmm. it and I am mm-hmm. expecting them to call me back immediately right. or I get really bummed out if they canceled the date, something right. like that, that's a red flag for me. But in terms of meeting other people, another one is, um, you know, a red flag can be somebody that doesn't want or doesn't have any kind of relationship uh, outside of the relationship. They don't have their own right, friends. Right. They don't have their own hobbies. They don't have their own goals. They don't have their own, you know, um, things that they love to mm-hmm. do because it, otherwise that's too much pressure to put on one relationship. So that's a red flag. You have to be careful with that because there are some people that want to be extremely symbiotic with that person. Mm-hmm. And if you're not that, <laughs> and if you're not that kind of person that wants that. There's going to be a lot of problems because that person that wants to be codependent um, will feel it as an abandonment. They'll feel it as you don't love them. It'll create a lot of turmoil. But I would think that for anyone that is is in first and foremost in a healthy relationship with themselves, um, to find someone who who is waiting for you to create their life for them might be a really um, potentially problematic situation because I know that there's a lot of talk about you look at the speeches at weddings and oh he's my everything he's my best friend he's my this he's my that I thought Jesus how many jobs can this man have that's not that's not I don't think that's sustainable you you shouldn't be and I know we talked about this in in one of our other um, occasions that you joined us Mm -hmm. is is being realistic as to what is this person supposed to be for you because it can't right. be everything that's right we don't have the power to make somebody else happy but we do have the power to make somebody else miserable and well we that can, wow. we're gonna say that again we because that. Yeah. uh i think that the we don't have the power to make somebody happy but we have the power to make them miserable exactly like if you and i were in a relationship i am responsible to you because you're being kind to me you're in my life and you treat me well but I'm not responsible for you. Mm-hmm. That's that's you being my child. Mm-hmm. You're not a child. You need to have goals and ambitions and things that you love to do yourself just so it can cushion the, the sort of the rigors of being in a relationship. It's hard for two people to be yeah. together. You have to have other interests. Does it say something about the other person when they criticize you about having these outside interests? Like, wow, you know, you're spending more time with your friends than with me or you're busier doing this than spending time with me. To me, again, big red flag, yeah. so my, my the alarms are going to go off. Right. But yeah, I mean, it could be that that person has been, again, like we talked before, mistreated in relationships yeah. the or attachment. they're just terrified of, of detachment once they are attached. I just wouldn't want to feel guilty or be made to feel guilty because I have those outside interests. Because as That's a right. woman, I, I can tell you many times where friends have said, wow, they have such a great relationship. They right. do everything together. And I'm thinking, <laughs> God, why would you want to do everything together nice with to someone? step away, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it works for some people, I think it's kind of nice. But most people are not that way. No, and I, and I think it's, you had talked about attachment. Can you give us, is, are there clues? Are there guidelines or are there things that we can think about that we can give our listeners that we can utilize as a way to say, well, what is my attachment style? What is it that I, that I do as I'm going into, you know, hurling into Valentine's Day, seeking for that mate? Cause we only have what, five or six days left to, to do that. Uh, and if I already, I know women who've already made a reservation without a date, without a date, because right. they're going to wow. get one. So I try to be aware of my wow. blind spots. And as I discussed, that's one of my blind spots, going into something too quickly, getting too excited, maybe even jumping into bed with somebody. Mm-hmm. We've all done that. 
before too quickly. And yes. that changes the relationship immediately. Nothing will change the relationship more than jumping into bed with somebody really, really quickly. What I found so interesting in the conversation with, with uh, Jai and with Indy is that Jai said, once I've had sex with them, then I can think about do I want to have right. a relationship. And if you would have been here, you would have seen Indy and I almost pounce on him to say what we women do everything else on the front end I know. so that when we get there and so if how do we square that how do we well it's like the cliche men need to have sex to get that's close right. that's and right women want to yeah. be close to have sex i have never heard this cliche yeah yeah so but i don't I've know if it's entirely cliche. true but there's some truth <laughs> to that. Yeah. i've lived this cliche but i haven't heard this cliche yeah. well it happens a lot in, in in gay relationships you kind of jump into bed first and then figure out if there's going to be a date number two huh it's true. It's, I mean, sometimes that works. Two of my best friends who have now moved back to New York, I'm sorry that they, they're gone now, they met on a blind first date. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That's redundant. They met on a blind date. They had sex that night, and they've been married for 35 years, and they have three kids. See, See? that's so, the urban legend. That's the urban ha- legend that happen. we all tell each other, happen. and then women like me go, oh, my God, it can happen. It doesn't mean that I'm having sex on a, on a first date because I'm not even having a first date. But... That's the that's mm-hmm. the myth. That's the the heady, you know. Well, I've, myth it that we it does happen. Well, I've told you. Yeah, in, but in so my, does winning the lottery. It's rare, but it right? does happen. So does winning the lottery, but not to anyone yeah. that I know. Yeah, but I think this happens more often than people win the lottery. All right, you're the therapist. I'll believe. Well, yeah. I told you, um, my current partner now was a weekend, a passionate weekend that's now turned into almost four years later. Yeah. Okay, and, so that's and two. And we're very happy, and everything's terrific, and. Um, Last night we had a teeny tiny argument. It was so stupid. But when I came back from work, I was so, um, it just ruined my day. Aww. Talking about how, you know, just, I was I was silly about something that was, it was, it was ridiculous. And um, I apologized. And, and his reaction back to me was like, it's okay, babe. You know, it's, it was just so wonderful. It was, and I explained, I'm sorry. I must have just been hangry because ah. I was coming home for dinner. And um, I believe that. I've seen you hangry. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just tell our listeners because it was really so stupid. I bought a, a chicken from Costco. See, this is, <laughs> this is where, where it gets a little It silly. sounds like a sitcom, right? like a, like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> he bought a chicken from Costco and somebody ate it before yeah, he got no, no. to it. I bought one of those rotisserie chickens from Costco. The Lost Leader. Great deal. Mm-hmm. Lost Leader. And I bought some uh, spring mix. And the thought was when I came home, he's like, hey, for dinner, I'll, I'll rip up the chicken. We'll make um, I'll make some rice and we'll have like a chicken bowl for dinner. I'm like... Wow, that sounds great. So I'm at work. I come home for my dinner break, and I get a. I'm walking in through the door. He's like, "Oh, something terrible happened. The the rice didn't um, mm-hmm. come out." I'm like, "What do you mean the rice didn't come out? It's the instant pot. It's super easy." Well, anyways, he forgot to put the seal on the instant pot. Oh. Which, whatever. Okay, the rice eventually came out right, but I turned into such a bitch <laughs> for a few minutes, where I was just. Looking away, and I'm like, it was just rice, and you know, and on my that drive back, that is not to, like you, Juan. No, it's not, and that's why I thought to myself, John, and I know you want to say something. Um, I, where did that come from? So I, I, it did kind of ruin my 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 night because I was thinking, why did I do that? It was so silly. And eventually, you know what? The rice came out. We had those chicken bowls, and we were both satisfied. But I didn't leave the house until I apologized and Good. made sure that he was. Okay with it, John. So my takeaway from that is yes. that it only lasted a few minutes. Oh, there it was. It was thirty and, seconds, and yeah. that's that's 
probably my second biggest red flag is conflict resolution skills. Yeah. Mm. Can you reconstitute after a little argument, whether it's about chicken <laughs> or, or the anything, seal on the rice. can you reconstitute? Uh, can you um, come back to the loving kindness connection yeah. that you have? Um, so somebody that doesn't have good conflict resolution skills and little things set them off and then days and weeks go by oh, and yeah, you're no, sleeping in the us. same bed and not talking to yeah. each other, that's a huge red flag. Argue fairly is another way. Right, and that's what mm-hmm. I had with my ex-wife who was a really, really good person, but she didn't have good conflict resolution skills. So whenever we would argue about something big or small, it would turn into something enormous and we couldn't get past it. Yeah. Days would have to go by. That's a red flag. How did you feel about that, John? Because in, in our tiny little argument, you know, I, I did feel kind of crappy that, that I that I blew I wouldn't say blow up, but I made something bigger than what it had to be. How, how did you um, deal with that when with your wife not wanting to, ex-wife not wanting to? I hated it. It yeah. really made me uncomfortable because then I started to walk on eggshells around her thinking yeah. that even yeah. the smallest thing, I would lose yeah. her for a week. For a week? Five or six days, she's gone. Yeah, she that just was, doesn't yeah. want to talk to me. And we can't, can't, I can't live that way. It's See, I couldn't live that way either. That way. I, I, I can, I try to stay very calm. Sean has, our executive producer has witnessed me really losing it. And has to actually physically restrain me because all I thought, thought was, I'm going to extract the spine out of her solar plexus <laughs> and beat her with it. And thank God he physically restrained me. And I don't even remember. I was just <laughs> that upset. But I can blow up, and, but but I don't stay angry. I don't believe in that. I don't. My father taught us: uh, a wise man never puts his head on his pillow at night angry at someone he loves. That's a skill. Look, when when patients come to me, uh, couples come to me, yeah. and they never come happy. They always come angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all want me to teach them how not to fight, and I say I can't teach you that. Wow. I can teach you how to fight. Yeah. So how you resolve conflicts together is going to be the reason why you're going to last long or not last long. So I want to ask you for tips on how you could be more successful at a relationship, right. whether it's just uh, you're, you're dating and that's where you want to be or you're married. But I want to just take a moment and, and, and underline the two things that you said, which I think they're, they're, they're sister or cousins to each other, which is um, the this of learning how to fight fairly or l- learning how to mm-hmm. conflict resolution. Right. Def- taking responsibility, taking responsibility. for your, your contribution to the problem. And the other is knowing that that person is not responsible for your happiness. Exactly. Because I think, at least for what I hear, is a lot of mm. people say, well, you're not making me happy and that's why I'm angry at right. you. And and if, if we're trying to make two things connect that will always be on parallel tracks, we're never going to get to where we want to go. That's right. So the other things are you have to teach them or teach yourselves or ourselves assertive communication to speak from the I so I don't put the blame on you. Uh-huh. It's not you stress me out, Cecile. It's I feel scared or I feel worried when you and I argue. The big difference in that statement. Another one is you have to lower your expectations of that other person. You can't <laughs> expect perfection. Now, yeah, not, that yeah. doesn't mean allowing somebody to be an abuser to you yeah. or being you know, mean to you. So, and also, you have to give up the need to be right. Whenever you two argue, you can't be stuck on, mm. I have to be right mm. each time. There has to be some equanimity with that. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just riff on what you just said of how we perhaps can process that as, I'll just take it from my standpoint. I agree with you arguing from the I. That's what I, I like to do. Be, uh, but I can see for someone, the minute I say, I feel this, then I'm putting the accountability on me, not on you, and I want to be mad at you. So what do you think about that, John? So 
the I statement is really much more about you taking responsibility for how you're feeling, mm-hmm. not taking the blame in the situation. That's a different thing. There's nothing to blame in the situation. The I statement is just that I'm not putting the blame on that person. So it's a very, very sort of like de-escalating statement. Which is the the, the second point that you raised to say be, be more uh, forceful of, of speaking about how you feel. So in, by just changing it from you to I, I, what I'm actually doing is taking, if I want to use different words, mm-hmm. taking the power of being able to fully express what I am feeling and, right. and sharing that with you. So, well, that makes sense. The other point that you, you brought up of, of lowering your expectation, it's funny, it's, it feels like those are one of the trigger words for we women that we, like it's a negative. You like said a, it last time yeah. too about being softer. Yes, being, yeah. I feel like it's like I'm having to give up. Like I, it's not that I, what I'm asking for is unreasonable, but you're actually making a really valid point because I'm contradicting myself. If yes. I feel that way when you say that, but yet I say it's stupid that we think that one person should be everything for us, but those are the, the same ends. Right. right. I think you would need to be steel and velvet in a relationship. Stick to your guns, but don't fire them. But we have to be okay. soft. We have to know that our partner is not going to be perfect. He or she is going to make a lot of mistakes. And are we going to pounce on that and make them feel bad about that, shame them about it? Or not. The other thing I wanted to say is you have to be careful with absolutes. Mm. That's another red flag. Think about it, Juan. The next time you have yeah. an argument with your partner, say to him, you know what? You never listen to me. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's going to get really upset because of it's not true. Is. Of course Or he is. you always do this. This always yeah. happens with us. You never want to go out. You never want to cook. Mm-hmm. Absolutes yeah. will kill a relationship. Yeah. Luckily, we don't do that. I don't think. And should and shouldn't. Those are dangerous words as well. That I'm you a, should be kinder to me. Mm-hmm. You should want to go out with so me. So what would be a, another way that someone would express that? Instead of saying should, I would say prefer. So instead of saying um, I, I should have done the laundry today, I, I would have preferred to have done the laundry. Or or you should have come with me to that event. I would have preferred it if you had come with me I would to have that liked event. for you to have come with me. Yeah, right? and I feel sad about it. You know, we'll move on from this, but I feel sad about it. I would have preferred if you had come. The should puts a little bit of a blame on it. Isn't it interesting that we think it doesn't matter, but it really does matter. The words that we words use matter. Yeah. matter. Um, and if we don't think that that's the case, and I'd love your uh, thought on this, that f- verbal abuse can be as as hurtful or even longer lasting in my opinion than physical abuse and and using the wrong words Mm. to say what you feel can feel abusive or if at at worst or at best not communicate what you're trying to communicate to someone that you care about agreed i think that words can be verbal abuse can be just as bad Mm -hmm. as physical abuse obviously they're two completely different things but um, it can damage your relationship. It can set you up for a lack of trust. How can you trust somebody that speaks to you poorly and hits mm-hmm. you below the belt? How can you want right. to have sex with somebody that does that to you? So that's why with couples that I see, if I can get them communicating mm-hmm. to each other with assertive communication and I have to model it for them, miraculously they start having sex again, they start holding hands again, and they start wanting to do things with each other because they've brought their respect back. If you lose respect in a relationship, bye-bye. 
So would you say that's if if we were giving our, our listeners uh, some some nuggets of wisdom to to be mindful of of the key pillars or the mm-hmm. the cornerstones when we're so mm-hmm. distracted we're living such busy lives there's so much input there's so much distraction in a yeah. city like Los Angeles what are the the things the two or three things that I can that I can think about to focus on to make sure that we keep going forward with a healthy relationship well you mean for yourself mm-hmm. or just in general in general. Okay, so remember we talked about in the beginning about knowing what our blind spots mm-hmm. are and knowing mm-hmm. what kind of person you become when you start to date and knowing what kind of person you become when there's a breakup. So you have to really be aware of your ups and downs and mm-hmm. your emotional sort of threshold around that. Um, other things we talked about are you know, being respectful and using assertive communication and I statements, lowering expectation, giving up the need to be right, And also being sure that you're going to be with somebody that's going to have other interests outside of the relationship that will give the relationship a chance to be a separate thing from our lives. It can't be the focal point of your life. I like also the the two because I I love the, I don't think you intend them as catchphrases, but we love them as that. (laughs) Uh, But you said, um, remind me, I'm not responsible for your happiness. Right, so I don't have the power to make you happy, but I do have the power to make you miserable. Mm-hmm. And I can do that very easily by using absolutes, speaking mm-hmm. to you disrespectfully, staying mad mm-hmm. at you. Remember, love isn't a feeling, it's an ability. You have to have the ability to love somebody. You have to do these things to keep it going. And be a velvet with steel. Be velvet, velvet and steel. Be velvet and steel in your relationship. Stick to your guns. Don't fire them. Don't fire those stick guns. To your guns. I love that. And isn't try it? to be soft. That's a big one. Be for sweet yeah. with your partner, but take it slow. It can still be sweet and assertive. It can still be Absolutely. sweet, and you can still keep your your sense of self right. Like you're not giving That's up right. something. Assertive builds trust because that means I trust you to be mad at me, and you're not going to put me down and shame me and hit me below the belt. That's really important. Right. And if I'm being assertive, theoretically, I'm being who I, I'm showing you who I am because I'm speaking out for myself. I'm telling you who I am. And if you're still around and you still like me, that's, that's comforting right. to me. If I love you and I know that there's something that I do that's bothering you, I want to know that mm-hmm. so that I don't keep doing it. But if you tell me in a harsh and you know very sort of like um, horrible, sad, harsh way, um, I don't know that I'm going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be licking my wounds all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in defense mode all the time. And I and to round it up with sex, uh, Sean, our executive producer, says, Cecile, you always want to talk about sex. Well, maybe I do. But anyway, <laughs> that's for another podcast. You said if you can get your couples to start genuinely communicating and bring back respect, the sex follows. It does. And it's so interesting because yeah. we... I. I I do not accept the notion that long-term relationships, it's a foregone conclusion that we're just not going to have sex. I don't believe that that's the case. I didn't see it model it with my parents and my brothers and sisters who are married. But I do see and believe that it takes work. But I guess I, I never thought of it because I assumed it that a central point from your perspective is respect for each other. It is. And that will be... Uh, that will speak to the longevity of the relationship, not just sexually, but also in terms of how you treat each other and living together and doing things together. Things will get boring because you've been with someone for so long. Mm -hmm. You have to do things to liven it up. You have to try different things. Mm -hmm. You know, this one comedian once said that to him marriage, his marriage was like binge watching a TV show 
and then realizing that they don't like the show anymore, <laughs> but because they're invested in it so much <laughs> that they reluctantly keep watching it. That's funny. So, but but a marriage can probably be the same thing too, where mm -hmm. you have to keep it lively. You get bored of somebody, mm -hmm. but you can rekindle it and the sex too. You can do it. You have to get creative. And and like I said, that's a that's another topic. But I I like the part about the respect because from that everything flows. How you speak to each other, how you fight fairly, how you stand up for yourself, yeah. how you agree on on um, on the exchange. Any last, I always ask you for the last parting words of wisdom to, as we armor ourselves and march on uh, bravely and a little bit optimistically with our 16-year-old brain, but our executive brain telling us to be rational, to prepare ourselves to have a great Valentine's or Galentine's Day. Yeah. I would tell people, try not to get caught up in the hype of Valentine's Day. It's okay if you're single. It doesn't define you. It is not a reflection of your self-worth. Go out and have fun. As I said, go have a date with Mother Nature. You know what? Cook a meal for your single friends and have a little singles party or plan a, an yeah. outing with everyone and go out and have fun. It doesn't help that Valentine's Day chocolate heart boxes are in stores Everywhere. right after Christmas. Literally, mm -hmm. by the time they haven't even taken down the Christmas decorations, the pink and the red and the white and the balloons, are they're all up. That's so. right. So celebrate you on that day mm. and so or celebrate Valentine's Day on your terms, not on its terms. I would say, you know, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I am going to challenge myself to have um, my self-love day uh, maybe on the 13th and then compare it to whatever happens on the 14th. And my goal is going to make the 13th a better day. Valentine's Day for yourself. Correct. Yeah. Correct. John, it is always such a pleasure. You always bring such a smile to my face and you always make me think about things differently <laughs> and try to to soften some edges and sharpen some other ones. And I love the fact that you say you have to be velvet and steel in our personal relationships. And that's what makes us both a pleasure and a rock for ourselves and for each other in, in life. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for always sharing your wisdom. Thanks for your velvet. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and that will bring us to the end of another episode of Ends With Z. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please share and tell your friends. You can find out more about us at endswithz.com. For Cecile Munoz and executive producer Sean Moe, I'm Juan Fernandez. Have a good one because above all else, you matter. You matter.